Blog Talk Radio. I hate you both. I've hated you ever since I can remember. I hate you, and I wish you both had cancer. Cancer? Yes, in the head. <laughs> I'm as tired as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. You built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? This is the Uh oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> <laughs> People seem to like me because I am polite and I'm rarely late. And now, the hosts of the Stupid Cancer Show, Lisa Bernhard and Matthew Zachary. Woohoo! Not that there's anything wrong with her. <laughs> oh, yeah. Monday, October 25th, and welcome. Back to Season 7 of the Stupid Cancer Show, the voice of young adults with cancer. I am Matthew Zachary, a 14-year young adult survivor of pediatric brain cancer. And I'm Lisa Bernhardt, a 15-year young adult breast cancer survivor, and we are your hosts for the Stupid Cancer Show. God, cancer under 40 sucks, huh? Well, get busy living, because the Stupid Cancer Show is here. To change the world one chemo infusion at a time. Tonight's show, Think Before You Pink, a fantastic roundtable with Barbara Brenner, Executive Director of Breast Cancer Action Network, Kimberly Irish, Program Manager, also from Breast Cancer Action, and Angela Wall, Communications Manager from Breast Cancer Action. And kicking it all off in the Survivor Spotlight, Erin Eloise, Young Adult Survivor. You guessed it, Breast Cancer. And as a reminder, folks, this broadcast is a production of the I'm Too Young for This Cancer Foundation online at I2Y.com. We help young adults fight cancer every day and are bringing the cause of cancer under 40 to the national spotlight where it belongs because it's not okay that 70,000 young adults are diagnosed with cancer every year. So, hello, my friends, and welcome back to yet another fun-filled and exciting romp through the hay on tonight's stupid cancer show where remission is not a cure and survivorship is all that matters. And a stupid cancer welcome to all of our first-time listeners on the Blog Talk Radio Network and iTunes as we broadcast live from the Chemo Deck, our fabulous studio in downtown Manhattan. Please welcome our chief cancer anarchist and vice president of grassroots programming, Jack Bouffard. What's up? Hello, Jack. Jack. How's it going? Jack, for those of you out there, Jack will be monitoring our live concurrent interactive chat room. Yes, this show has a live Concurrent interactive chat room. It's busy. It's very busy tonight. If right. you have any questions for our guests, let Jack know, and we'll be happy to do our best to get them answered. And welcome back. You know her, you love her. We're thrilled that she's back with us here tonight. Fabulous broadcast production assistant, young adult survivor, Amanda Freeman in the house. Hello, You're rocking a new cab. It looks great. Just finished it last night. You know, I got to show oh, off. Oh, uh, my goodness. You, made, you knit that yourself. God, you're getting good. Amanda's taken up knitting. It only took a couple of days. No, you took up knitting recently, right? Like a couple of months ago. April. Yeah. 
I figured it would be a good thing to do when you have cancer. You know, counting helps you not think about things. Let me tell you something else. That cap has a $60 price tag on it in Bloomingdale's. Go out there and make yourself some money on the side. That's great. It's Amanda Freeman's fashion. <laughs> Seriously. Get cracking. We got it. Get a business plan. Any fashion folks out there, yeah, they want to start reselling Amanda's stuff. We're here for her. Can I have a sweater? Shut up, Jack. Anyway, what else? <laughs> I think that was it. Good night, everybody. Good night. Bye. Jack just, Jack just, Jack just and killed now it right there. it's time for our closing sequence. <laughs> Anyway, we have some phenomenal in-studio guests tonight. It is my yes, pleasure we to welcome my friend Donna Trussell, politics daily contributor, ovarian cancer survivor, and political cartoonist. She is an incredible uh, individual I've met through my travails on the interweb in social <laughs> media and uh, who I've known actually since before we had Melinda Henneberger, editor-in-chief is that of right? Policy Daily. I didn't show. know you knew each other before Donna that. wrote stories about us. Most of them were nonfiction, and uh, <laughs> we're very, very happy to... Uh, to have her here as our institute guest. Uh, she's, to, she's waving from the couch. She's waving from the couch. Okay, an well, honorary lo- salute. There, there she goes. We forced her to wave. Honorary <laughs> salute. And another young uh, adult survivor here uh, joining us. Johnny Cathcart is a survivor of medulloblastoma, which is the rare brain tumor that I had 15 years ago. He is a, an amazing young man. He has a book out. What is the name of the book? Hot Pants, a memoir. Hot Pants. I have it in my hand. I like that. Jack, calm down. Yeah, really, I, was just I am say. holding Johnny's hot pants in my hand. <laughs> <laughs> this is not the way to introduce our new friends to the show. Sorry the about that. The height, Matthew. Yes, exactly. Turn away from the mic. <laughs> I will do my best to not cough directly into the audience. Sorry about that. Anyway, so we have a, a really great show tonight. We have a lot of stuff to talk to our folks about to discuss. Um, but, of course, you know, we deal with the realities of cancer. I get asked this all the time, like, you know, we are the organization that you go to not to cry in the shower. If you want to go cry in the shower, go to every other cancer organization, except perhaps Immerman Angels and Keep Abreast and a couple of the others. Or but, after meeting Jack, then they go home and cry in the yes, shower. Yes, yes, yes. However, you might go it's cry the in the shower. the only time it's allowed. Right. If you are induced what? to cry in the shower because of our organization, because of Jack, then you have permission to do that. Yeah, you're the one who, I'm the one that you send to all these conferences to meet hundreds of thousands of people at a time. Wait, we do that? So, wait, hold on. Who, I think I've made a grave error. Who approved that, that? Wait, does that mean that we hold the world record for enticing people to cry in the shower, like the largest crowd of, like, group of people? I think we can in invite everyone that's ever met you to Central Park, and we'll do, like, a group crying in the shower <laughs> Paul McCartney event or something. Do they have to be in the shower? That's a lot of showers. <laughs> <laughs> or we can just do it during like a thunderstorm. Yeah, or do it something. a thunderstorm. Well, like yeah, like one, like a Diana Ross concert in exactly, the park. Exactly for yeah. crying. Yeah, it'll be bigger than Simon and Garfunkel. Exactly, fantastic. So, um, <clears throat> but as I was saying, folks, you know, we deal with the realities of cancer every day. We try to make light of it. We try to poke a stick at it. We try to give people an excuse to live, to be humorous about it, and to make the most of the time that they have. But every now and then, and unfortunately all too often, we do lose people, and we, we pay tribute to them on the show. We memorialize them through social media on, the, on our Facebook walls and on our pages and through, through um, blogs and whatnot. And uh, life's not a contest, but we happen to have lost someone incredibly near and dear to the I2Y family this past Friday. And his name was uh, Chad Whitman. Chad came to the organization per our friend Leora Lowenthal, who is a uh, program director at New York University Hospital here in New York, a melanoma survivor from uh, survived May of 2008, I believe, who was declared remission in remission and disease-free, met him in uh, very early '09, and uh, he came guns a-blazing into the organization. He helped us volunteer 
executive volunteering on committees for numerous events. He joined the New York City Planning Committee Task Force. He organized the OMG Summit uh, in 2009. He helped us organize the UnGala in 2009, uh, our Halloween party last fall, and an incredibly charismatic, colorful individual, uh, a real take-no-shit attitude guy, he just lived his life to the fullest, Jackie Gleason style. And um, he actually left to go pursue his career in nursing, which was so admirable. He wanted to make something of himself bigger than himself, and he went to home to New Mexico to go to grad school to get his nursing degree. And unfortunately, he relapsed in late July, and it, it sort of went downhill from there. We got word um, from his family on Friday that he lost his battle. And as you can imagine, the entire international I2Y community is reeling over this. He was a very public figure representing our interests. He embodied what it meant to be a young adult cancer survivor. It took us all by surprise that this happened, and we're all grieving intensely over his loss. Uh, I'd like to ask for a few moments of silence, um, and then I'd like to play a clip from him because he came on the radio show. He was a guest on the Stupid Cancer Show a little over a year ago in September of So just a moment for Chad. Kind of cool. But um, finally, about 14, 15 months ago now, it was May of 2008, um, they could not find any detectable melanoma, and they haven't found any since. So you're like a... Yeah, big, big clap. <laughs> So you're like a uh, you're like a patchwork, a bit, yeah. I mean, a, a little Frankenstein-ish is kind of yeah. how I was feeling at the time. It was like let's take this from here and take that part from there and replace it with this, and <laughs> so it shut. It's like those creatures in that movie Nine. Yeah, totally. <laughs> this was, but I was the hot one, not the ugly alien. Okay, one. fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Which raises an interesting point. You're you're an openly gay American. Yes, I am. And that, Very gay. That's a whole <laughs> an extremely openly gay American. No. We could just play this then. <laughs> okay. Awesome. <laughs> Love it. Now did that add and Carol, if you want to chime in here, did that add another element of sort of complexity? to the social issues that you faced as a young adult. I absolutely think that it did. I mean, you know, I was I was facing a lot of the same, like, you know, am I going to live? Am I going to die? Like, what's going to happen to me? Like, all of this kind of stuff. And, you know, I just wanted to kind of go back to, like, my happy space, which was being with my friends, being with my family, and doing things that were familiar to me, like going out on a Friday night with your friends. But, you know, like, at the gay world, it's like, you wear the wrong shoes, you're shunned out of the bar. You know? <laughs> it's like... <laughs> let alone have, like, half of the back of your head missing. You know, it's like, forget it. So it made it extremely difficult for me. I was, um, you know, I had a hard time um, kind of dealing with how my exterior looked and how I dealt with that, and especially because all my scars were on my head and my neck. I couldn't cover them up, you know, and it was like the middle of the summer. I looked like an idiot walking around with a scarf and a hat in August right, <laughs> in right, right. New York. So, um, so yeah, I think that, you know, I... I I feel like with straight guys, it's, you know, kind of like being bald is, like, acceptable and it's much more common. But, you know, when you're gay, it's like, especially in your 20s, like, if you're bald, you are you might as well have, like, two teeth and live under a bridge somewhere. <laughs> and on that note, 
That is the... He was awesome. He was That's just an extraordinary He's actually guy. the person that introduced me to the term hot mess. That is true. <laughs> that is true. I, and, and he was re- was referring to you. To you, exactly. Yeah, right. <laughs> Gee, wonder why. <laughs> but you know what his biggest claim to fame is? Oh, the gingers. Oh, that's right. That's right. We owe Chad Whitman a huge debt of gratitude. Wait, wait, we do? Wait, they do. No, the I gingers do, do. Because I have babysitters now. I <laughs> owe Chad Whitman a tremendous uh, degree of gratitude for at the 2010 OMG Summit we held this past May here in New York City, we had a, a pre-party the night before at a bar with hundreds of people, and Chad was the one who introduced Aaron Eloise to Kenny Kane, our vice president of operations. They fell madly in love, and now they are peas in a pod, meant to be. As we, what? Bleh. Shut up. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, to the end, he, he laughed, he loved, he was whimsical, he was charismatic, and... Um, if any of you want to hear the full interview uh, for Chad, uh, it is available on the iTunes store. Uh, just go to iTunes, search for Stupid Cancer, and look for the show from September of 2009 called The Bald and the Fabulous. And I could not say anything better about Chad than that he was bald and he was fabulous. So here's to you, Chad. I mean, there's really, there's, he will be missed. There's really no acceptable segue into anything else besides this. But I'm sorry, I, I never got to meet him. He, uh, that show uh, predated my being here, but it, from the way you guys have talked about him and obviously the way you did tonight, he just sounds like an amazing guy and an amazing spirit. Yeah, it was. It, it, it's a huge loss. We're, we're doing our best to keep it together here, um, but we. It's devastating. And we all have him as our profile picture. Yes, yes. And he's beaming and smiling. And If anyone is interested in memorializing Chad, please visit my Facebook page, steal my profile picture, <laughs> and make it yours for a day. We'd really appreciate it. Okay, so with that, I guess we should just move on to our... Uh, we mentioned her as a uh, side effect of Chad Whitman's awesomeness, but I think it's only fair that we welcome our... Uh, our uh, our Survivor Spotlight tonight. Erin Eloise is a three-year phyloides breast cancer survivor from Richland, Washington. Richland, Washington, that is. She grew up studying classical ballet, which gave her a tremendously great posture and the opportunity to dance all over the country as well as Europe. After high school, she began studying theater, but was then diagnosed her sophomore year of college. Erin found out about I2Y at the 2010 Young Survival Coalition Conference and immediately decided to fly 3,000 miles to attend our OMG Cancer Summit. After falling madly in love with Kenny Kane, she became one half of the Gingers, or the Rusties. She moved to New York City to be with him, volunteer for I2Y, and pursue her career in theater. Please welcome Erin Eloise. Hi, guys. Hi, Erin Eloise. She is now an official guest on our show. And she is now officially the Vice President of Outreach for the I'm Too Young for This Cancer Foundation. Because yeah. she has long, beautiful dancer arms. She she's reaches also like, out. She's six feet tall and looks great in a ball gown. And she's also like <laughs> chief, chief uh, high society fab officer yeah, or something, what is, right? Your chief well, high society. We, no, we actually, chief we society actually, wrangler. I was, yeah, was going to say, it. we can just sit here and talk about her. She doesn't actually have to talk <laughs> no, no, show. Just, just, just keep describing her. Everybody. Yeah. Yay! <laughs> so, let us start with what the hell is phyloides? Phyloides. That's a great question, and not a lot of doctors can even answer that for you. Um, Neat. Yeah, very exciting. Uh, 
Phylloides is a rare form of breast cancer, although it can happen anywhere in the body. Um, sometimes it's um, also identified as a sarcoma. It's also called cystosarcoma phylloides. And it attacks the body very differently than uh, a regular breast cancer would. Um, it doesn't go through the lymph nodes. Um, it's unresponsive to chemotherapy and unresponsive to radiation treatments. So Double neat. Yeah, really, really awesome. Um, so really there's nothing you can do with it except remove it, remove the surrounding tissue and kind of hope for the best and uh, see you later. But... So, but, it, but what about the the bloodstream though? Because chemo would also work to uh, let me keep my voice on the mic here uh, to take out any cells in the bloodstream. Does it? But still, it doesn't respond to chemo, as you said. Yeah, it doesn't. Um, they are in some in some friends that I have who have had um, it metastasized. They are trying um, experimental sarcoma treatments for it. Um, you know, it's had partial success, but there's really not enough physically not enough people to get through clinical trials at this point in time. And anything genetically linked with uh, phyloides or um, anything that they could make you predisposed to it? It has been connected with uh, Lee-Fraumani syndrome, um, which is a very rare uh, genetic disorder which predisposes. Um, it's a mutation of the P53 gene. That, um, Aha! Yeah, the old P fifty three. Wasn't that a, a fighter pilot bomber <laughs> plane in World War Two? That would be appropriate. That would yes. be a B fifty two. A B fifty two. No, those were the people with the ding, beehives ding. in the love shack. No, oh, the, shut the, up. <laughs> that's a. Are you still here? Mascot. No. <laughs> yeah. well, isn't there another event we can ship you off to tonight? <laughs> yeah, there's got to be yeah. some kind of cancer conference. There's got to be another there. nurse thing happening yeah, right. in the city. <laughs> I don't know, but I'll go. Yes, I know. So um, that has been found to be connected to it, but um, there's maybe around any given time about 100 people in the United States with phylloides. Uh, Once again, the triple neat, yeah. jackpot, nicely done. Wow. Pretty fun that, stuff. That, that golden ticket. So how did you find out about the fact that there was a young adult movement? Like for, the, for, for, for those of you out there, the Young Survival Coalition is an amazing young adult organization. For young women with breast cancer, they have great forums, and every year they have an annual conference that attracts a ridiculous number of partygoers who happen to be breast cancer survivors. How did you first find out about that conference? Uh, well, really, I was looking for information um, on phylloides, other kind of breast cancer um, survivors that were young women. And um, it actually took me about a year to start researching and looking at things because since I didn't go through the regular form of treatment, um, you know, I was very disconnected from all of it. So about a year after my, my surgeries, I um, went online and looked for young adult breast cancer survivors. I was on rare cancer forums. I was on, um, I found the YSC boards and befriended a couple people and went to their conference. And then I found you guys. And you found us actually, unfortunately, through Jack Buford. Uh, well, well sort of. Sort of. I knew you guys a little bit beforehand, and um, I was going to have a conference call with you guys the, that weekend, actually. Um, so I sought you guys out at the conference and uh, kind of went from there. Kenny's kissing her arm at the moment. 
Oh, well, you Turn guys got to stop this. I know. The canoodling is out of <laughs> I'm control. I'm so glad I was, I was not looking the that way. The canoodling is out of control. Talk about your dancing because you're such an accomplished dancer. And how did this, um, did this interrupt your studies? Where, where were you in your, in your dancing career and how did it affect that? Um, I actually had just finished um, dancing with the Seattle Opera. I was in Don Giovanni at the time. Um, and maybe three, four months later is when I got my diagnosis. I had also just finished the Rocky Horror Show. Um, dancing in that. So I, I was actually I was in the middle of a, another show at the time when I was diagnosed. It was our tech week, and so I had my biopsy um, that week during tech and was diagnosed during that. And it, you mean tech, you're sort of technically mapping out the show? Right, yeah. right, yeah. <laughs> and for those of you who don't know, um, so it, oh, so I that's took, when you were diagnosed. Yeah, I took yeah. a summer off. Um, of doing theater and dance, which was a huge, huge thing for me um, to not be doing a show, not be dancing, not be acting, anything like that. But then I started acting again um, probably the September afterwards. I was diagnosed in May, had my surgery in June, and then I was back to the theater in September. And you, you, So you must be dancing from the time you were a little girl. Yeah, from when I was probably three. And is it so you're looking to get back and be dancing again and do all that great stuff in New York, yes? Uh yes, but I'm more so leaning towards um straight plays, which straight theater is not, you know, straight gay lesbian, that's obviously not it. Uh straight play <laughs> means it's not a musical. So Right. Um, you know, I, I enjoy musicals, but I think I really, you know, wanna be looking at um She wants to be holding the Shakespearean skull with yeah. the Viking helmet. Uh, isn't that Wait, Hamlet? So is that, is that Hamlet? Hamlet yes. and Wagner. Yes. Normally, yeah. Can I confirm something? Did you say you went from the from doing the Rocky Horror Show to dating Kenny Kane? <laughs> is that pretty much what you were saying? What? It'd be like the equivalent of dating you and then dating me. <laughs> I was not dating. I was in the Rocky Horror Show. Well, that's what show. I'm saying. So you went from Rocky Horror to Kenny Kane. Sure. So, Aaron, what? what wait, wait. You... Let everybody quiet. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'll be here next month. All right, let's go. <laughs> so, what's the follow-up treatments for you, Aaron? Um, right now, luckily, I'm at my um, I'm at the point where I'm going to see an on surgical oncologist every once a year now. Um, luckily, I'm kind of out of the six-month thing, so I have my appointment. Uh, let's see, November 11th. So coming up. So you had a lumpectomy? Yeah, partial mastectomy. Partial mastectomy, okay. But you look fabulous. <laughs> well, How many thank times you. did you get that? Oh, How lot. condescendingly horrible is that? It, it was pretty weird because I didn't lose my hair or anything. Right. I, I didn't look like I, you know, like when you think most people who have gone through cancer treatments, I didn't look like that. Right. So you're like, but really, I did have cancer. But, but really, yeah. I I'll, swear I'll, to God. I'll right. show you the scar. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. Kenny's, All right. Kenny's eyes just lit up. He likes seeing the scar. Kenny's lucky he's in a seated position. <laughs> oh. What? Oh. We just got an NC-17 rating on the, on the web yeah. for that one. We do what we can. And we didn't lose any sponsors. <laughs> the night is except young. Our, except our ginger roots. <laughs> right, 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 right. Well, look, we lost Schweppes ginger ale as a sponsor for sure. <laughs> Anyway, let's get to the news here. we got a lot of good stuff to talk about. Hello, I'm Kent Brockman, and this is I on Cancer. Just the facts, ma'am.
All righty, folks, during this part of the Stupid Cancer Show, we listen to Jack Buffard stammer through a series of special announcements to let our listeners know about a whole bunch of free stuff that we don't want you missing out on. Free stuff like conferences, happy hours, retreats, scholarships, support groups, concerts, bar crawls, Halloween parties, and more. If you have something coming up that you'd like us to spread the word about during this part of the show, please send an email to Jack Buffard. His email is jack at i2y.com. That's jack at i2y.com. Alrighty, bro. Are you ready? I'm ready. Thanks, brother. All right, first stop, events.i2y.com. Events.i2y.com is your one-stop shop for all stupid cancer events happening nationwide. Stay in the loop because something could be happening in your neck of the woods, and we don't want you missing out on it, especially if I'm not going to be there. We are pleased to announce our first-ever Minneapolis, Minnesota happy hour upcoming. We have Hockey Fights Cancer in North Carolina. We have the New York City Halloween Scare-tacular this Thursday. So head on over to events.i2y.com for all official Stupid Cancer happenings. Team Stupid Cancer, the nation's first running team exclusively supporting young adults, is full. We have started a waiting list. Head on over to teamstupidcancer.com and get on the waiting list because we may be getting more slots from the New York Roadrunners Club. Or if you want to sponsor your favorite runner, head on over to teamstupidcancer.com and help fund this radio show along with all Stupid Cancer programming by, by making a donation toward your favorite runner. The fourth annual International OMG Cancer Summit for Young Adults is being held April 16th and 17th here in New York City. Stay tuned for more information. The nightly activity is not to be missed, but we're not going to tell you what it is, so stay tuned. All right, folks, being that I lack both the time and the intelligence to share with you all the great stuff we have going on for young adults, I've created the Booth News blog. Everyone needs to check out boothnews.i2y.com. That's B-O-O-F.i2y.com for the official list of all stupid cancer news resources, including surveys, exercise programs, writing workshops, peer services, and fertility resources. I just updated the Booth News blog today. We have some new surveys out there. They pay you to take the surveys. There's some new events, some new support groups going on, so head on over to boothnews.i2y.com. And finally, because our buddy Johnny is here in the studio, I want to give his book one more plug. It's Hot Pants, and his website is johnnyhp.com. And not only is this book awesome, but it's also endorsed by the Make-A-Wish Foundation, the Writer's Digest International Self-Published Book Awards, and many others. So head on over to johnnyhp.com and check out Hot Pants. So there you go, folks. There's your Stupid Cancer News. Very nice. Very, very nice. So uh, we had a couple of news bits to talk about, a couple of the, uh, I guess we can call them ridiculousness of healthcare in the news. Um, <clears throat> this will tie into our show tonight a bit with breast cancer action. But uh, many of you who either have children or, or sort of are, are health aware, there's a toxin called bisphenol. B-I-S-P-H-E-N-O-L. Bisphenol is a toxic substance, toxic to the environment, toxic to your body. It's widely used in uh, plastic bottles for water, the epoxy liner food containers. Um, it's just bad stuff. In any case, it's been on the watch list of toxic substances in the United States for God knows how long. But for some reason, and I get maybe the latest from, uh, from uh, BCA will be able to articulate on this, that they haven't quite you know, made it illegal. So we have to turn to our maple-friendly partners in the north because BPA is finally illegal. It's toxic. 
in Canada. And it's like a cigarette, you're going to slap logos on stuff saying this, I don't know, we're going to lose a sponsor. This Ziploc storage container <laughs> may Wait. kill you. Maybe um, we can get all of Canada as a sponsor. Right. <laughs> and then blame them. Um, <laughs> they do all the right things. They do. Pardon my ignorance, but what is BPA? BPA is a is a multisyllabic ethyl methyl bupol psycho it, bad it, product and it's yes. asinine. Basically, yes. it was that stuff that your race car bed was made out of. <laughs> oh, the Ricky Schroeder race car bed. Well, asinine, that I understand. Yeah. I speak that language. And that explains yeah. a lot. Right. No, BPA is a chemical that they've used in plastics for many many years now. Um, for whatever reason, it stabilizes it, whatnot. It's cheap to make. It's petroleum based. And, you know, if you reuse water bottles from time to time, when you reheat water bottles uh, in the microwave or whatever, um, or you let a water bottle sit in your car for too long and then make it put back in the fridge, it's something that can leak into the molecules of the water and do all sorts of bad things to you. So we're very happy that Canada has declared it toxic, legally toxic, and we're just waiting for the United States to declare it legally toxic. However, that doesn't preclude groups from raising awareness of the fact that it is something that consumers need to be aware of, and there is a new movement now of products, like baby bottles, for example, that are BPA-free, and we hope that they're not lying to us when they, when they promote them to us commercially, but I just found it very interesting, and I'd like to give our neighbors in the north a huge kudos. Um, I do not have the South Park uh, musical queued up right now, uh, but I'm not blaming Canada. I'm praising Canada. for Thank you for being on the right side of a reality for a change. And they, and they, brought us, they gave us Alan Thicke as well. Yes. And they gave and Rush and Rush and Alanis Morissette and Michael J. Fox and Paul Schaefer. Right, right, right. And um, Wayne Gretzky. Keep going. Our, no, Celine Dion. Mary Mario Lemieux. Our, <laughs> our, our, our good, our good friends, uh, Dr. Deborah Davis and um, and our, our breast cancer baby docs from last week's show uh, were speaking of the evils of BPA. If folks want to go back and listen to last week's show, right. we talked lots about BPA. It's. I mean, it's it's just one of those things. I mean, I know that uh, you know BPA and there's something called BGH, will be talk, bovine growth hormone. These are just examples of how the agribusiness corporatocracy just doesn't seem to give a rat's ass about the consumer, and it's all about the bottom line. We talked about this briefly last week on the why can't there be more good and nonprofits and corruption and whatnot. It's just I don't know. I, I guess I'm too much of a cockeyed optimist sometimes. That's right. Deborah was two weeks ago. So uh, all right, Deborah. Yeah, yes. yeah. The Yep, Breast Cancer and the Environment Show. That's exactly. right. Exactly. As my phone makes noises because I forgot to mute it. My bad, people. Fail. That. Epic fail, Motorola Droid He fail. just texted himself to sound popular. I did, I did. You coughed in your cell phone, three strikes you're out. That's it. That's the rule. Okay, one I'm more. done. Um, and then uh, I guess one more note before we our, our guests. I found this article very interesting. Um, this has been in the news for a couple of months now, but some doctor invented an artificial cell. So now there's an artificial ovary. And I can't wait for the day where there's an artificial Jack Buffard. Sweet. With an ovary? With an ovary. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. I'm confusing with Oreos. <laughs> but it just raises the, uh, it raises the bar about where are we really headed in this country. You know, so let's say we all live with BPH and BGH and we toxify ourselves to death. Can't we just clone ourselves at some point in a couple of years and we'll be fine? Yeah, like, well, we uh, like Michael Keaton did in Multiplicity. Exactly. Although you you would have been the the, the, the fifth one, you would have been the fifth one. The one that said he touched my PPC. <laughs> well, Aaron Allen always has something to copy. say about ovaries. You've been very vocal about your ovaries on your Facebook wall. I am very unhappy with them. They are not happy with me either. Would you like a Would you like a new ovary created from 
the cell? I would absolutely love some new ones. See, I we have a taker here tonight. Yeah. We have a taker. I'm sure Kenny and my unborn children would want them as well. <laughs> you knew that was coming? I knew that was coming. I had them queued up. You know. There we go. How are your ovaries, Erin? Um, they're holding up. They're okay. on lots of hormones to keep them uh, calmed down and not be so hostile. Functioning? Yeah. Okay. Well, we want to we want to make that um, something that stays consistently functional. Me too. <laughs> I mean, uh, my children do need playdates and playmates and whatnot. <laughs> I need a playmate. <laughs> Shut up, Jack. You know, speaking of hostile ovaries, uh, Grey's Anatomy this week had an episode that involved a hostile uterus, and actually, on a separate note, also had a storyline about a 15-year-old with osteosarcoma, a ballet dancer who had his. And speaking of ballet dance, dancers, Aaron Ellery, I watched the episode. What did you think of that? He was not a ballet dancer. He, he was a, okay. He was modern. Every, <laughs> everybody sees it through their own eyes. Forget about the cancer. He was a modern dancer. God damn it. He wasn't a ballet dancer. <laughs> he may have had ballet training, but he was not a ballet dancer. Anyway, it was an interesting episode where he did not have to amputate his leg. That they actually, I don't know if this exists on the show. They claim that there are only a handful of surgeries in the country. But we're this is our osteosarcoma expert, Amanda Freeman, saying that it's very common. Somebody who had a bone removed from her leg and replaced in her jaw. So she knows a bit about this. Do you I, was, wa- I was surprised that, you know, well, it was a bit on the back. All right, we're listening to Amanda speak because she doesn't have a mic. She says it was actually fairly true to life. All right. I'm hearing her correctly. But here's the question oh, then. She says it's not true to life. Right, come, come up and grab the all mic, right, Amanda. All right. You have an Fill obligation us in. I now. need to know, and then we need to get. Uh, we got to get creative. the BCA, yeah, yeah. We, we. No, from what I know is that it's fairly common to use cadaver bones um, in osteosarcoma patients of the femur of that matter. But what I did find strange was that radiation is not uh, does not play a part, or very rarely plays a part in osteosarcoma because radiation causes osteosarcoma; it doesn't treat it. So. You know, we'll have to have Shonda Rhimes, who's the creator of Grey's Anatomy, on the show, because, of course, we've talked about many of their storylines, including the uh, Izzy storyline. Right. Jack's getting right up to the mic, ready to say something. But yeah, like, we, like, 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 do they not have medical consultants? Because Izzy came out of brain surgery with a full head of blonde hair that was perfectly groomed. Like, can ABC not, not afford a bald cap for their actors or something? Or? <laughs> well, this goes back to the larger picture, too, when we discussed this with um, What's-Her-Face from, um, from the, the Sea. From the Big Sea. Yeah, with Darlene, Darlene Hunt. Hunt. The reality and the potential suspension of disbelief of actually having cancer survivors represented accurately on television that are not Deborah Winger dying in agony. And how much license can they take for the sake of what they feel is a compelling storyline? Exactly, exactly. We'll do another upcoming show on that, and we will get Shonda Rhimes on here to talk about that. We will. And, you know, I mean, I'm very excited to have Breast Cancer Action on the show. We have them on the show every year. This is their fourth appearance, making them the second group to ever be on the show four times next to Deborah Davis. That's a lot of numbers. That's Second of... group four times. Yes. That's great. Yes. So without further ado. All righty. We're going to start with the head honcho here. Barbara Brenner is a tireless activist who believes that anyone and everyone can and is needed to make a difference in ending the breast cancer epidemic. Her passion is contagious, and her effectiveness as a leader of the breast cancer movement is demonstrated in the growth and unprecedented achievements of breast cancer action since she took the helm as executive director in September of 1995. Barbara joined the board of Breast Cancer Action in September 94, one year after she was diagnosed with breast cancer in 96. She had a local recurrence 
of breast cancer, which resulted in the mastectomy. Joining Barbara. Kimberly Irish as Breast Cancer Action Program Manager. Kim Irish oversees the organization's programs and program-based campaigns and fosters and builds BCA's grassroots activities and national presence. Kim graduated from the University of California, Davis, with degrees in comparative literature and Spanish before attending the University of San Francisco School of Law. Kim was a 2008-09 fellow with the Women's Policy Institute of California and currently serves on the Board of Directors of Human Rights Advocates and the Good Old Girls. I'd like to hear about that. Kim Irish, and then finally joining Kim Angela and Wall is Breast Cancer Action's communications manager working closely with Barbara to make sure the voice of BCA is broadcast clearly and articulately to the public at large. She is the primary point of contact for media relations and writes for and manages the production of the annual report, eAlert, and BCA's quarterly newsletter, one of my favorite emails to receive. Angela holds a PhD in cultural studies from the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. Prior to BCA, she was a Britain teaching fellow at Georgia Institute of Technology, where she taught in the Department of Literature, Communication, and Culture. She has written and published on women's reproductive health, popular culture, and media, and has worked for four years as a strategic planner for Red Sky Interactive, a web-based advertising agency. It is my absolute pleasure to welcome the ladies of Breast Cancer Action. Ladies. Welcome. Why, thank you. Thanks for having us. I'm Hello. not sure ladies, but okay. <laughs> Uh, women, the, the, empowered women. Oh, come on. I'm a sexist. Let me own it. Oh, okay. You, no, okay, we don't like that word, ladies. You said that. We did All right, fine. Women. I don't like that word, ladies. All right, okay. Ladies. Class-based, we can talk about that. Okay. The, the, okay. <laughs> the ovarianly empowered. <laughs> the everything empowered. The non-Jerry Lewis. Powered hey, by estrogen. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right, so I, you heard in the intro, this is Breast Cancer Action's fourth appearance on the Stupid Cancer Show. I could not be happier to have you here every October to discredit the ridiculousness of everything that everyone thinks is fabulous. So why don't we start with... Discrediting the ridiculousness of what everyone else yes. thinks is fabulous. <laughs> Go! Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> I don't know which one of you wants to start first, but I, I want our, we have over 365,000 people that listen to this show now. They all need to know you exist. They all need to get your newsletters, and we all want them to hop on your bandwagon of the Think Before You Pink movement. Go ahead. <laughs> Kim, take it away. Okay. Um, so thank you for that introduction. Um, we're a national breast cancer education advocacy organization. Uh, we carry the voices of people affected by breast cancer to inspire and compel the changes necessary to end the epidemic. And I guess one of the ways we um, try to discredit things that people think are fabulous is through our project, um, our campaign called Think Before You Pink, which we launched in 2002 in response to the growing presence of pink ribbed products um, that you now see all, pretty much throughout the year, but even more so in September, October, this time of year, um, during what we call Breast Cancer Industry Month. Um, through Think Before You Pink, we call out pink washers which we define as corporations or companies that say that they care about breast cancer by promoting pink ribbon products, but also simultaneously um, uh, making products that contribute in some way to the breast cancer epidemic. So we've seen quite a few um, interesting pink products um, this year. Um, Angela, do you have do you happen to remember some of the things that we were talking about earlier, some of the crazy products? I, well, you know, if we're talking about pink washers, I think my favorite, uh, most egregious offender was the um, Ford headquarters, Ford Motor Company headquarters decided that they were going to um, illuminate their entire building in pink. And we're talking about the organization or the corporation that is against um, a limited emissions act. So, you know, it's 
Mm-hmm. Where it's a little concerning when, um, or, you know, and it's very typical of of this whole pink pink industry that you know you can slap a pink ribbon on anything and have everybody think you're doing something for a good cause, and at the same time you can manufacture something that is actually um, responsible for increasing breast cancer incidences. And, um, and you know, we need to call that into check and stop it, and that's why this Think Before You Pink campaign was launched, and that's why we call out pink washers. And our biggest offender of the year and of previous years and future years until we stop them will be Eli Lilly. Um, and we have a campaign currently in progress called Milking Cancer because Eli Lilly is indeed milking cancer on all fronts. And I'm going to let you, Kim, uh, talk about that. Yeah, so we launched that campaign last year in 2009 um, because we had, well, previously we had actually launched, we had a campaign called um, Yo Play Put a Lid on It, where we went after General Mills for having RBGH in their yogurt while also having pink lids um, that on the yogurt cups that um, customers were supposed to send in and 10 cents would be uh, donated to um Coleman. 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 Yeah, Coleman. it was Coleman. The Coleman Pretty That's their name. Yeah, that's right. Um, and <laughs> um, so we were, you know, we, we had a great success with that campaign. Um, General Mills ended up taking RBGH, removing it from their, their yogurt, and Dannon um, followed them. And so now two-thirds of the U.S. yogurt market or dairy, dairy market, market is um, is now RBGH free. But we decided that wasn't enough. And so in 2009, we went straight to the source of our BGH. Um, Eli Lilly is the sole worldwide um, manufacturer and distributor of the artificial growth hormone. And so um, we went to, you know, the company that we went straight to the um, the leadership and had um, a number of our supporters send um, postcards saying thanks for the cancer to leadership. Um, we didn't get an adequate response from them. And so this year we're back um, and even bigger. We um, had a number of really successful aspects of our campaign, including a, an online petition where we gathered thousands of signatures that we're going to send to Eli Lilly. And we're trying to put up a post or a, um, a billboard in Indianapolis where um, Eli Lilly is headquartered, um, telling them to stop milking cancer. And we want to do that because it's a very public way of letting them know what our message is, and we're hoping that that will um, get a real response from Lilly leadership. So the company makes RBGH. It makes cancer treatment drugs, and also makes a drug supposedly to prevent breast cancer. It's a perfect profit circle that's good for the company, but not for us. Absolutely. Wow. That's yeah, it's a bad problem. Can I say one other thing, Barbara? Um, when breast cancer is a marketing opportunity and not a disease, we have a problem. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And as Barbara says, if if shopping could cure cancer, we it would already be cured. <laughs> so right. we're not we're not seeing progress in that area at all. Yeah, we we have we have to start doing something more than simply be aware of this. Um, and it's great that people want to open up their checkbooks and wallets and give money to do something about this disease, but, but simply being aware won't do anything. Nothing, nothing gets acted upon by simply being aware. We need to do the active step and take action. So are um, you trying to tell us that a porta potty painted pink with a ribbon on it does not help anybody? Or a garbage uh, truck? Well, it helps somebody, but it doesn't help. <laughs> it helps somebody that has to go to the bathroom in the middle of a It's easy to find when you're in a, like a huge field. We've got a bigger box right. than that here. <laughs> Let me let me ask you let me ask you three women empowered women. Uh, this may seem like a very obvious question, but what about Avon, who's 
Avon. <laughs> uh, what about Avon? Who's so Avon, you know, there are a bunch of cosmetics companies. Yes. Yes. They do a lot for breast cancer. They raise a lot of money. Avon, Revlon, Estee Lauder, Mary right. Kay, it's a long list. Mm-hmm. None of those companies has products you want to use. Uh, that's what's exactly what I was going the direction, right. the direction I was going in. Estee Lauder presumably with Self Magazine, the, the inventor, quote unquote, of the mm-hmm. pink ribbon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. Actually, they created. They, they usurped they, the pink ribbon. They you know? usurped I mean, it from the woman who invented the Charlotte pink ribbon. Haley. You know, this, right. it, it, I think it's really interesting. If you go back to the history of of ca- breast cancer awareness, the pink ribbon, you land firmly in a corporate boardroom or a marketing strategy room. That, that's, you know, and I think that's really telling about this whole month and the whole industry that's grown up around pink cause marketing. AstraZeneca, a pharmaceutical company, is, is responsible for as, as a major supporter of breast cancer awareness and a major, major promoter. Estee Lauder, a major promoter and sponsor of the pink ribbon and responsible for getting it out there with as much proliferation as it is, and now Komen for the Cure. And these are multi-million dollar now charity corporations, charity industries. And it, it's simply, you know, um, a, a, you know a, a, different, a different guise. And the cosmetics companies are pink washers. They are. Because although for Europe they have changed their products because they had to, they keep the toxins for some reason. They can't do it in the U.S. It's like maybe we should move to Europe. I don't know. (laughs) But the fact is that they know how to take the crap out of their cosmetics and they won't do it. Then they're not forced to. Um, here, you know, the FDA has really lax regulations when it comes to cosmetics, and so you know that's a pretty major um, campaign of ours, trying to make sure that we get you know the toxins that are in cosmetics out, because they're products that primarily women or, or and men use them, a lot of these personal care products too, but women use them in greater quantities and more often than men every day. It's something that you're putting right onto your skin, and quite often, you know, with with, this, with a pink ribbon going on it. It's, it's, it's making a pronouncement for the organization, we care about women's health. If they really, truly care about women's health, they would take these toxic ingredients out because they are making women sick. Can I ask a question here? What happens, let's say hypothetically you get the CEOs of these cosmetics industries on Larry King, and you're in one chair and they're in the other, and you blatantly just say to them, why won't you do this? Would they deny that these uh, concoctions contain carcinogens? I think they would. I think they'd, they'd spin around. They'd, they probably wouldn't ask the qu- answer the question. They would have their pre-prepared list of what it is they want to say. They'd talk about it being FDA-approved, that no scientific evidence um, has been fully, um, you know... Uh, 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 fully linking it to, you know, cause, the, the causation isn't there. They would also point to their own... So they, they are self-regulated. Right, they have right. an industry group mm-hmm. that tests things. Why you should trust the industry the that's regulated? Yeah, it's regulated itself. I have no idea, but they—we've had this conversation with them. That's what they say. Well, I was going to say that's our fifth show with you all is when we get those CEOs right. on. <laughs> okay, on with you. Awesome. let's all be in the same room, though. Uh, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, let's look <laughs> each other we'll in the eye and just say it like, like it is. Like steel cages. <laughs> 
So <laughs> let me ask you this. Let's take out the companies that you think are doing direct harm. What about massive initiatives like the NFL? A friend of mine was watching a football game and said, I find it ridiculous that these big hulking guys out there are wearing these pink ribbons on their jerseys, and the NFL is head of the NFL, the commissioner, Roger Goodell, has been on the Today Show and promoting this image that they're all behind breast cancer and they've slapped pink on every football player this October. What do you think about that? Well, I think the question is, are they for or against breast cancer? I can't really tell. Um, (laughs) Really, I can't tell. This is a campaign that is beyond silly. We're all aware. Pink is about awareness. That's all it's become. Are you aware of breast cancer? Okay, yeah. show of hands. Affirmative. Yeah. Show of hands. Who doesn't know about it? This has all become so silly and so offensive now, that I, it's almost beyond words. You know, and I think it, yeah. it, it yeah, to, to Barbara's point, you know, it, it's it, it's not enough simply to co-opt a color and adopt it and thus somehow stand up and say, stand up and count me, count you for what? Where is this right. going? What, what, what is the result of the entire NFL going pink? How many lives have been saved as a result of the NFL going out and playing in pink outfits? How, how, many, how, how, many, how many changes in, in drug treatments? How, how many safer drugs have gone out there? How, how much have the, have the costs been lowered? Can I play the uh, the, the Lily White, you know, uh, innocent devil's advocate for just Eli a moment? I was going to say, it's not, <laughs> it's Eli, is this the Eli Lily White? Not the Eli Lily White, the regular Lily White. <laughs> okay. All right. What do you say to the people who claim, and I'll just, I'm just going to say this. Well, what if watching the NFL game convinces just one young woman to realize she could self-exam and they find something? Legitimate question, Matthew. Yes. It's a good question. Do you hear a word about self-exam on the NFL? Do you hear a word about breast cancer on the NFL? Do you know that Komen doesn't encourage people to do self-exam? I mean, you know. Yes, I have not seen this. I have not seen a single cheerleader give a self-breast exam on a football game. Now they're the halftime show. I I thought that the boys boys would wake up to that one. Yeah. You know, the other thing is. Self-exam is about detection. It's about detecting a cancer that's already there. If, if you detect something that's already there, you know, we, we also need to be, go beyond being aware or even get to before being aware. We need to be doing something to stop it before it starts. You know, so if, what's the grass made of an NFL turf? That's my question. They're wearing pink. You know, what, what kind of pesticides are going on the grass? Nice. Go for what are the toxins? Yeah, you know, all the plastic yeah. bottles and things that are being sold, you know, how is that contributing to I mean, is, does the NFL the really care? What's the NFL doing specifically to decrease the incidences of breast cancer diagnoses? Right. Show number six, you're opposite Roger Goodell <laughs> <laughs> of the NFL. And he's in town. We can get him here. Yeah. I'll, go, I'll go pick him you up. You know, we, t- we, t- we uh, take big targets. We're happy to. You know, and I think the point also is, you know, it's it's – it's really good that people want to do something, but I think we need to start asking: Are people are people doing effective, um, taking effective action? Because we're we're a good good twenty years into this epidemic, longer. Can we talk and, about? Um, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Let's just talk about. I, I, for the lack of a better term, this is just from my own brain. The psychological reasons behind supporting breast cancer. To me, it's, you know, you talk to a lot of people about pancreatic cancer, ovarian cancer, and a lot of the other folks who advocate for the other cancers 
are frankly, um, to put it in colloquial terms, pissed that yes, so much research money goes towards breast cancer. Talk about psychological. Is it a way for men to say, you know, because everybody likes breasts or they're the foundation of life or whatever you want to say, you know, that they're, and they're obvious things that you can see on your body as opposed to other cancers that are maybe internal that you can't see. Uh, this kind of feel-good way for perhaps, uh, let's just talk about men in society here to say, you know what, we're doing something great for women where we might come up short in other areas for women in this country or around the world, that this is an easy way for us to look like we're doing something good. You're on to something. If you look at why breast cancer is the poster child of cause marketing, it's because it's about breasts. Mm-hmm. We can say the word out loud. It's about <laughs> sex. It's about se- talking about sex right. without talking about sex. Mm-hmm. And it makes everybody feel like they're taking care of something. But that is the reason. And I understand that people are pissed about it. We're pissed about it. Yeah. For different reasons. But, you know, at the end of the day, unless we get down to what's really happening in cancer, none of this matters. Well, what do you say to the argument, and there's, there's continuing research that is, that is uh, you know, going on, that it's not about body parts so much anymore, molecular medicine, genomics, herceptin, cleavic. These are now treating every organ in the body, depending on your genomics. Does it really matter so much? Is breast cancer just going to fizzle itself out because one day they're going to invent some random, you know, sarcoma drug that's going to help breast cancer and no one's going to care? Well, you know, that's that's the theory behind the National Cancer Act passed in 1974, and we haven't gotten there yet. I think personalized medicine, I talk to researchers who say to me, it's the fad of the moment, it's not happening. But... And, and, you know, I would be, look, if somebody finds something that really fixes metastatic breast cancer, we're cheer from the rooftops, but we're not there yet. So talk to me when it happens. Until it happens, we have work to do. Well, I mean, we work very closely with Stand Up to Cancer, and they have funded over $150 million in translational research that is yeah, largely genomically based. I know. I mean, I'm watching it. I hear it reported. I go to the cancer meetings, and I hear them report. And I am tired of hearing, well, we're looking at this and that and the other thing. Call me when you have the answers, guys. Don't dribble out the data and tell us this looks promising, because what looks promising today is a failure tomorrow. I want answers. So there's no hope for Jack. Sorry, no hope for Jack. I don't know. You'll agree with me one day, don't worry. (laughs) Yeah, something to look forward to. And that's a promise for failure. (laughs) So tell us specifically how you guys go about doing the business that you do in exploring these companies and how our listeners out there right now can get more involved. Well, I mean, I I guess we need to start by saying that we have a strict corporate contributions policy um, where we don't accept any money from um, corporations that profit, I'm sorry, that benefit, yeah, that profit from cancer or contribute to cancer. And so that allows us to have freedom, a lot of freedom. We have a clear, you know, clean voice where we can protest and say what we want about these companies because we're not beholden to any of them. Um, we run a lot of activism campaigns. Um, we, we encourage any of your, our, your listeners to sign up if they're not already on our e-alert list, which you can do on our website. It's just um, bcaction.org. 
Um, we also have our Think Before You Pink um, website is thinkbeforeyoupink.org. Um, we recently launched a blog, and we would love for you know your viewers or your listeners rather to um, to read it, comment on it, um, write for it. Write for it. We're trying to get as many you know new voices involved. We have Facebook and Twitter. Please follow us on those. Um, and then you know we do you know we try to get our our, our uh, members involved in a lot of other you know areas as well. Like when we had our recent um, our recent online petition campaign, we got people activated in that way. Um, and so you know a lot of news comes out of our office about the different campaigns we do. So you know stay tuned and just sign up to get more information from us. And you guys are state classy finalists, aren't you? We yes. are. Thank you for reminding me. Congratulations. We're national finalists. Thank you. We yeah. are very, very excited for you. You're national finalists as Charity of the Year, correct? Or or what? Which campaign, category? Campaign, I believe. It's, it's, yeah. for the, it's for our What the Clock campaign. It's What the which, Clock. Which Angela will tell you. Yeah. Well, let's talk about fried chicken and, and tits. That's right. <laughs> which is a direct quote Buckets from the, and boobies. No, it's a direct quote from the chat room. Oh, gosh. <laughs> you know... That campaign was, um, a, you know, so it was a, it was a, an example of the kind of egregiousness of pink, um, the, the pink proliferation. Um, not only did it happen in April, it, you know, so it was this example of, of pink pinkness having just flown the coop, so to speak. And <laughs> the damn wrong month. Yeah, uh, exactly. You know, and land, you know, which is which is what's happening now. It's becoming this year-round marketing campaign. There's, there's money in it. There's a, there's a reason it's happening all year round. But what the clock was born out of a direct response by Breast Cancer Action to patient voices, to li- listening to our members and, and non-members, people who were outraged that um, KFC and Komen for the Cure had partnered together with this so-called idea to um, help raise awareness by selling buckets of fried chicken. And Komen has a pink buckets of fried chicken. And Komen has a a section on their website where they specifically link food and diet to um, as as a kind of way to manage um, your health in terms of getting breast cancer or or being diagnosed with breast cancer. And there's so many areas that are troubling and problematic, and it primarily in that you know KFCs are located. very firmly in very underrepresented, low-income, often communities of color. And these are communities where there often isn't a lot of access to adequate health care, access to healthy food choices, access to the, the resources that many women and families need in order to, to, take, to take adequate care of themselves. And this was all done under the name of raising awareness and getting into underserved communities. That's and a great it was, point. And it was absolutely ridiculous. I mean, it was. Barbara talked about the silliness. This was. This was. Be. I mean, this was. This was offensive. And we had such a response from people who were just outraged that. Um, yeah, but this p- you know, people got outraged. They come on our Facebook page and say, "What are we going to do?" Well, we're the activists. We know what to do. So yeah, but thousands of people took action. We um, we sent you know online um, e messages. Uh, letters to Komen and um, uh, KFC leadership, you know, protesting this, and uh, people got responses from them. They that they pissed them off more. It made them really angry. <laughs> but, but you know, this was this was a classic example of what does awareness do? 
and, and what does where you spend your money do? Because the money was going to KFC and Komen, not to those areas where the KFCs were located, where people had real needs. Sick, dying women had real needs in those areas for access to adequate medical care. And, and if, we, if you want to talk about where does the money go and where should your money go, put it back into, your, in, into the communities that you belong to. Well, we crunched those, those numbers. Jack crunched yeah. these numbers. I, you probably know this already, but for our listenership, go ahead, Jack. Yeah, when this campaign first launched, of course, we you know, went apeshit and uh, started talking about it on the radio show. And the way that promotion worked was when you buy a bucket of the, a pink bucket of chicken, 50 cents of your purchase went toward Coleman with a, the with a maximum donation capped at $8.5 million, which is a lot of money. But, you know, not being KFC connoisseurs, we figured that if a like let's say a bucket of chicken was eight ninety nine or ten bucks or whatever, that would mean that KFC would have to sell seventeen million dollars worth of buckets of chicken, to, generating those fifty cent donations to equal the eight and a half million dollars. So regardless of the fact that poor nutrition is linked to breast cancer, like you said, KFC just pocketed eleven twelve million dollars well. to generate their eight and a half million dollar donation. You know, Companies always do better than breast cancer does mm-hmm. in these right. campaigns, and and God, they're, they're in the they're in the business of making money. They're not in health the health industry, or they're not in the healthcare industry. And if you if you didn't see it, Stephen Colbert mm-hmm. did a riff on this. I yeah. think it's I didn't see that. It's yeah. brilliant. Yeah, yeah it's on the BC Action website. Yeah. Oh my God, he nailed it. Yeah, and, and that that money that was raised. That could have done a lot in the communities where it was needed. What a was lot. KFC's official response to this? What was KFC's response, did you say? Yes. You know, that the response was that we partnered with Komen, and, and it was a legitimate um, awareness campaign to go into communities and give women in underserved communities an opportunity to speak out and take part in breast cancer activism. And they said they were offering healthy choices. Because women like could choose chicken. grilled yeah. chicken or vegetables. Yeah, right. Go on their website and try to find their healthy. Well, see, the other thing is with all the all these companies that are jumping all over this is the fact that the pink uh, ribbon is not regulated by anybody. Right. So I could yeah, be selling, I, you know, I, I could be selling gallons it. of toxic waste, slap the pink the uh, the pink ribbon on it, not give money to any organization, and just say, oh well, you know, I'm selling this toxic waste under the pink ribbon because I want to remind women to check themselves or to Absolutely. get a mammogram. Yeah, or I whatever. mean, many right. of these programs don't give a dime. No, they I mean, don't. we have those, too. You know, and it gets, the, the, the Think Before You Pink campaign and project is really based on that idea to think critically before you buy pink products. You know, how much money is actually going towards breast cancer programs and services? Where's the money going? What types of programs are being supported by the money that, you, that you're giving? And, you know, what's the company actually doing to ensure that its products are not actually contributing to um, the disease in the first place? Didn't so Coleman get in know, trouble it, for that, though? Didn't they sorry? get, like, doesn't, but Coleman, no, no. I wouldn't say it's not regulated. Coleman has, like, standards about licensure of, of for the cure and for the ribbon. And, A, they're suing well, a lot of charities you can for figure it. Out, if you can figure out what those standards are, because NPR attempted to, to ask them this morning or yesterday morning um, exactly what their kind of screening process was. And, and their chief of marketing could not answer the question. I mean, we've dealt with them for years. They started asking questions because we were asking questions. <laughs> and it's true. Dum, dum, dum. They do. They do 
require their partners to meet certain standards, but they're mostly about how much money and will you promote common. And one of those standards is not, is the product that you're selling and partnering us with going to contribute in any way to increases in breast cancer incidences and outbreaks? And that's Precisely. a critical question. If we're going to end this epidemic, <laughs> we really need to start asking that question at some level. It drives me crazy when, you know, being a cancer survivor myself of Hodgkin's lymphoma, which has nothing to do with breast cancer, but uh, so I, I've had people say, oh, you know, I, I bought something pink ribbon, and I thought of you when I bought it because I'm helping. And I was like, well, did you read the fine print? Do you know where it's going? Because, of course, my, my, my blood starts boiling. I'm like, why don't you just give me 50 cents, and I'll give it to I2Y. But there was one thing that I read. Uh, it was actually on, on the packaging of a pillow that I saw in a store a couple years ago, and I wrote about it because there was the pink ribbon all over the packaging for this pillow, and it was a $39 pillow, and the packaging said a portion of the proceeds from this, the purchase of this pillow are going toward breast cancer research. But there was nowhere on the packaging that said what right. the portion was, and nowhere on the packaging said where it was going. So they could right. be selling $10 billion worth of pillows, mm -hmm. right. donate a single penny to something, and say, oh, well, you know, that falls into the guidelines of a portion, a portion of the purchase. Right. You know, and if you really uh, have a lot of time, which most people don't, I mean, we found products where the uh, supporting breast cancer research, go to a website, you go to the website, you try to find the research it's promoting, and actually they're giving money to an organization that doesn't do research. I mean, folks, if you can't tell by looking at the product, don't buy it. Right. Yeah. Well, now you're delving into consumer advocacy, which means people have to be smart, and we know people are stupid. Well, we're a making them smart, smart, but we're people are stupid. You know, and, and most, people, most people are smart. I mean, you know, so it's a case of it, it, it's reminding people that when they're purchasing a pink ribbon product, it's like any investment that you make with your money. You know, spend it wisely because this is money going to a cause that really needs you know, some serious, you know, levels of research and changes in the directions we're going in because we're not getting there, folks. Do you and, have a list? and we have okay. to stop treating people as though they're stupid. We've well, done that for years. Yeah, but we have to smack them. We have to stop talking to them and just smack the shit out of them when we're walking through a bed, bath, and beyond. Right. We don't do it that way, but that's an approach. We just do it verbally sometimes. Yeah. Jack's just talking about what we do to him, actually, to keep him oh, in mind. Okay. Well, I've been hitting grocery stores many times. That's my whole childhood. Now, but, but in the moment, this is a tough thing for people to make decisions about. Is there a list of companies on your website of sort of who's pink legit and who's you not? Know, we don't no, do no. Okay. we don't do that, partly because what's legit depends on who you are, right? Some people think 1% is great. Some people want it to be 50. We don't, we're not the, uh, we're not giving a stamp of approval. We're not doing it. So how does but somebody we can know tell you who's bad. You can tell them who's bad. So in terms of who's good or who you might want to give your money toward in the moment, just sort of keep track of your website and your newsletters. How mm -hmm. else can people know? It's tough in the moment, though to make right. that decision. But the answer is, in the moment, if you can't tell, buy something else. You know, always read the labels. It's like anything else we need you to know, do. You know, you read the labels on the soup can. Read the labels right. on the pink product. And if you can't tell but you really want to support, you know, an organization, don't write a check. Yeah, write a check. Can I, can I just, I want, to, I want to end on a positive note. 
And <laughs> with respect to that, can you talk to us about your small victories? Because you guys have seen market victories in what you're doing. Why don't you tell oh, us about been, a few of those? We, our victories are small. Go to our website. It's a long <laughs> list. <laughs> long no, I meant. Well, wasn't your play a big victory? I, I mean, was being euphemistic. Got, euphemistic. We, we got the big bad corporate baddies. We we actually were the organization that got the first Safe Cosmetics Act in the, in the country. We did that. We're the so now it's going to get better on the cosmetic side, at least in California. And as California goes, and that's always good, so goes the nation. Our work on Yoplait, a huge victory. Huge. We've had great success with the FDA in trying to get them to do what's best for patients. FDA, Avastin right now is kind of... I mean, Avastin is a big controversy, but we really want the drug to work before we put it on the market at $100,000 a year. Thank you very much. So we've had huge successes, and we do it. We get to them because people just like you and me do things that make a difference And besides buying something. You know, and, and an example for me that we're actually really we're, we're we're being successful is every year the number of people who call us to talk about pink washing and I think before you can, pink campaign and talk call us with a critical eye to hit or a critical ear and wanting to know more about our campaign it increases. So people are starting to get it. They're starting to get that this that this pink washing, that, that this pink saturation is. Um, is kind of an attempt to pull wool over people's eyes, and it ain't going to be happening for much longer. And the last thing I would just chime in with is that our names, our, our membership just keeps growing and growing, you know, both um, just people who are interested in our work, people who are online with us. I mean, we just are getting more and more supporters, and I think people, there's really a movement, you know, we're building a movement, and I think that's really important. And how we made it onto Stephen Colbert. It doesn't get much more successful than that. <laughs> that is absolutely true. You kept fear alive. Yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> so what's in store? Are you are you allowed to disclose who your next targets are? are you Eli Lilly. You know, you know, we're okay. not done with oh, yeah. Lilly. You know, we, <clears throat> we don't quit. If there's something that has to happen, it will happen. I have a question. At what point in time will cigarette and smokeless tobacco companies put a pink ribbon on their products? Well, I think that's coming. It's coming. I can't yeah. wait till that happens. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have a field day with that one. Yeah. They're just salivating already, these three women. Yeah, Dennis, yeah, Dennis Leary once said famously, Dennis Leary has a rant called No Cure for Cancer. It was from like, uh, I don't know, maybe 10 or 15 years ago. Uh-huh. And you, you can find it on YouTube. It's one of the most brilliant things he's ever written. He said, you could take a pack of cigarettes put them in a black box with a skull and crossbones on the front and label it tumors, and people will still buy it. Yeah. And for, in New York City, they'll buy them for $12 a pack. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But i got to tell you, you guys rock. You're amazing. We're so excited to have you on the show. We want everyone thing to thing we're having is we'll look Thank forward you. to year five. Yes, year five. <laughs> yes. To, to, year, to 2011. I can yeah, honestly say this is my favorite show of the year because we just get the whale on everything we're talking about <laughs> all year. <laughs> All right, the Thanks ladies of breast cancer. The women. Oh, the the women. oh my God, the ovary laden women of <laughs> breast cancer action. Barbara Brenner, Kimberly Irish, and Angela Wall. Thank you so thank much, you so guys. Much. Thank, thank you so much. Thank you. Keep up the great work. Great stuff. Thank great you. Stuff. I'm really glad that we're on their side. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. don't want to mess with them. You do not want to mess with them. Wow. 
Good show. Yep, great one. So who's I don't know who this guy is in the chat room, but I'm not going to give him any any attention. So we'll just we'll we'll deal with it that way. Anyway, I guess that's uh, our show. We we want to give uh, Johnny a moment here. Yeah. All right, Johnny. Here we go, Johnny. All right, you're on you're on the uh, you're live to 360,000 people. <laughs> hey everyone, uh, thank you. I'm Johnny Cascar. They they mentioned me earlier. Thank you so much, Jack and Matt. Um, and everybody. You're welcome. Um, so I'm Johnny, author, speaker, and filmmaker, and two-time brain cancer survivor from my early high school days. So I just want to say, you know, after years of battling cancer and continuous struggles to, you know, fit into culture, I started to realize how awesome it was to be a young survivor, how great it is to have this extreme passion and zeal for life that circumstances have provided me and how awesome it is to be a part of an organization like Stupid Cancer. If you want to relate, if you want to laugh, I encourage you to check out my book detailing the story of how cancer got me into the movies, brought me around the world, and made me see life from a different point of view, and to help you to do so as well, I encourage you to check out Hot Pants, a Memoir. Uh, you can find it at my site, johnnyhp.com, that's J-O-H-N-N-Y-H-P.com, or Amazon or com. any of the big book retailers. Thank you, guys. You're welcome, Johnny. Right. Thanks Johnny for being here. All right, well, that, that's our show. That's a great show. What a great show. And the chat room loves him. The chat room does love him. We're and Donna's going to be back, and we're going to force Donna to be a guest next time she's in New York. Exactly. Step Absolutely. up to the mic. All righty. And with that, folks, it is now time for our closing sequence. Prepare to activate. Uh, I hear there's rumors on the uh, Internet. You ever seen a grown man naked? And so, to all of you, a fond farewell. Hooray, I'm helping. You are a meathead. Oh, Magoo, you've done it again. That was so terrible, I think you gave me cancer. All right, folks, that is tonight's show, our 156-156 broadcast. We hope you had as much fun as we did poking a stick at stupid cancer. We'd like to thank our in-studio guests, Aaron Eloise, and the women... Uh, Breast Cancer Action, Barbara Brenner, Kimberly Irish, and Angela Wall. That's right. Also, Johnny Cathcart and Donna Trussell from Politics Daily. Next week, a really great show on insurance and navigation in our survivors. But like Jesse Herskowitz, returning champion, young adult survivor, singer, songwriter, rapper, recording artist, and star of the I2Y documentary film. And from the uh, National Coalition of Oncology, there's navigators Sharon France and Rebecca Trupp. A show not to be missed if you've missed any of our past shows, subscribe to the iTunes podcast at itunes.i2y.com. Have them automatically downloaded every single week and never miss a beat. Or check out the archives at stupidcancershow.com. Remember, if it's not stupid, it's not cancer. We'll see you all back here, my friends, live from the chemo deck. Jack Buffard, Lisa Bernard, Amanda Freeman, Captain Stupid, and I wish you all a fantastic week. Go to, Go to bed, bed, Dory. Dory? Dory. Who's Dory? Dory! All right, good night, everybody. Good night. See ya.